Hey everyone. Well, we're back for episode number 19 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. And for anybody who's revisiting, because I've got John Russin back on the podcast, and I say back because he was a previous guest when me and Dean Guido used to have this called the Fitness Devils. So by now, I think most of the listeners kind of know what's going on. So there's 150 old episodes, and now we're on number 19 of the new stream, but they're all part of the same download package. So if you've just discovered us here, or me now, uh, yeah, you've got a whole library to go back into if you're wondering what the hell those are. But as I mentioned, I've got Dr. John Russin here, and we've been chatting a little bit off air beforehand. And uh, John had recently reached out to me to do some of the, the groundwork to have one of his PPSC uh, events here in Edmonton, which we were able to pull off in person. Uh, we had uh, his presenter, Logan Dubay, take care of that just before the restrictions made it really impossible. And if you're not familiar with John, I, God, I hope you are by this point. He's a strength coach, he's a writer, and the architect of this growing organization behind the pain-free performance specialist certification. I want to make sure I didn't follow that up, which you're having presented all over the world now. You've got a legion of these coaches. So uh, it's great to have you on. Welcome back. Man, I, there's a lot to congratulate you on to start this podcast off. First off, you're independent now. You're your own man over on your own podcast. But more importantly, you are the top PPSC coach biceps of any of the 4,700 coaches in the world. The double bicep pose in the group picture was an all-time legend. And th for that, congratulations, brother. And this is why... You've gotten far in the industry. There's every once in a while I get a uh, someone on your Jade <laughs> where you make it about the other person. So guys, take lessons, guys and girls, take lessons here from listening to John because I, I'm going to talk a little bit about John's personality. He's very unique in a sense, and it's one thing that stands out about you. It's really on display in our previous episode with you is your total lack of fear in aggressively promoting yourself and your work. I mean, you're kind and giving to other people. But it's an industry where a lot of times people are really afraid to put themselves out there. They're worried about, you know, imposter syndrome or, you know, yeah. being unwelcome to be kind of aggressive. And, and you're not afraid of that. In fact, I, I find you totally fearless and it served you really well. So where's the philosophy behind this? Where to come from and, and how has it served you? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And it's a kind comment about being fearless. I, I don't necessarily go in being like, yes, I'm going to take on the industry. I'm going to post all this shit and write all these articles. I think a lot of the confidence came from being behind the scenes for almost a decade before anyone ever knew who I was, read Dr. John Rustin on a byline on a T Nation article, or watched any of the products or bought any of the programs or went to the certification courses. I was literally just coaching my ass off 60, 70 hours a week for almost a decade and really just trying to get mentored by great people, doing my continuing education almost every weekend and literally putting every dollar that I had, which weren't a lot of dollars at that point, into trying to be a career professional in the fitness industry, which is a really a rare thing these days. And I think that once I got pushed into, hey, John, maybe you should write some articles, maybe you should put a website up, all this stuff. It was all out of necessity, but I started writing and I started teaching and coaching other trainers and strength coaches on things that I knew like the back of my hand because I've been doing it for so long at such a high level. The kind of things that you don't even think about anymore because it is so rudimentary and routine to you, 
but it was brand new to other people, especially reading on cer certain topic matter online. And that was really the impetus to all of the, the quick success that I, I did have when I actually did go out and do a little bit more publicly because you know, the bigger base of the pyramid that you have to stand on in terms of your education, your experience, but also your ways around navigating communication in the fitness industry. I think that it streamlines your message a little bit more and you feel confident doing something because you know the shit works. I think a lot of times people go in and they go, oh, I did this one workout. It felt really good. I'm going to try to write about it or I'm going to try to share it on Facebook. When in all actuality, my first three years of writing articles, a ton of them at that, were things that I'd been doing for a long, long time that I had the data behind. And I think that continues to be the thing that makes me quote unquote fearless. I wouldn't say that about myself. I would say that I'm just very authentic and confident in what we do because we've seen the results with people. And you said a few things embedded in that. Um, you clearly implied that the things that you shared and taught are not revolutionary things you've discovered. They're more the basic principles over time that you've applied. You talk about the six basic um, movement patterns is one of the big mantras of your entire everything. And that's very similar to something that Dan John, who's a very legendary coach also says, I think they're, you know, they're almost identical or super similar. And where I'm going with that is it's not like you've stolen something from Dan. It's just that a lot of coaches are, are terrified to put anything out there because they're afraid it's all been said before. And you built a really big foundation on something that wasn't totally original, but it was your interpretation and you grew from that point where, you know, some of those people are still going back into old Dan John stuff and going, oh, well, this is very, very similar. But yet there's a hunger for that. There are new coaches coming online who maybe they haven't seen Dan John stuff, but they're finding you and they're getting that education through you. So it's not like anyone owns the idea of a horizontal pick or a horizontal pull or squat or lunge or carry. Nobody owns this shit, right? So it's out there and it is for you as the individual to turn around and teach it to your clientele. And if you're really fucking good at it, you can create a, a message in a package that is accessible and shareable and grow your own brand around it. I mean, again, nobody should be plagiarizing word for word entire chunks of things other people are doing. But I mean, how many coaches out there are literally PPSC certified people who are going around and using your system in their, in their workouts, right? And the people, the end user is benefiting from that program. Well, it's interesting. You have the right t-shirt on for what I'm about to say here. <laughs> One of the best pieces of advice I got from my ex-editor over at T Nation, uh, maybe your current editor, Chris Shugert. And Chris said something extraordinarily smart. I think it was back in 2013, just when I was getting going with those guys. And he said, John, it's not the person that originates a concept or a method or a technique. It's the person that can resystemize it in such a way that can make it applicable for all. And that always stood with me because, you know, the first five, six, seven years of my career, I was very good at being a systems guy. So I worked, a lot of people don't realize, I worked as a lead programmer for the functional movement systems for a year and a half, uh, about 11 years ago. I was working uh, in different education systems and mastering each and every one of these systems. So there was five or six different systems that really got me off the ground, especially when I left graduate school, went into full-time coaching and continued to chase the education rabbit. So I kind of got this idea that, hey, all these systems are great or they wouldn't be 
around. They wouldn't be an actual course or a continuing education resource at this point in time. But all of my colleagues, I looked at what made the best coaches successful in my ecosystem. And I didn't necessarily think they were the most innovative people. I saw the best coaches, the most effective coaches, the ones that were training the NFL all pros, the ones that had a full book of clients, even if it was general fitness clients, the ones that could problem solve in the real time were extraordinarily talented at running a base system and then sprinkling in their own interpretation and novelty of what that specific clientele needed at that point in time in a workout, in a program, or in a client management session. And that was really what pushed me down the education route because uh, I spent a lot of time in university, but as we know, that doesn't make you a great coach or it doesn't make you an effective trainer. So trying to take all of the stuff that we learned academically over like an eight and a half year period of just wasting my life away in the university and then trying to translate it into real education, which is what I think is fitness continuing education today, getting really good at those systems. And then the, the key thing that really made a difference, I think, when I started writing on the concepts was that how these things interact together. How do all of these things that we know to be good true and effective interact in the same symbiotic ecosystem? How do all of these things create a holistic approach to health, fitness, and performance? And once I started asking those questions, it got a lot easier to start showing what I did with clients. Because in actuality, I am the product of my experiences and my education. And when that became apparent that, hey, I use all of these things little tweaks on each and every one of them, but I use them in such a way that creates this synergy. That was the true turning point of maybe this is a system that we could go out and teach across the world. And I think I had those first thoughts of, I wasn't thinking about business side of things. I wasn't thinking about a certification course, but teaching the concepts behind the way that I would manage clients or I would manage uh, sport teams. Cause that's what I was doing a lot of early on in my career was probably in like 2016 was the first time I was like, hey, maybe I should put all this shit together and try to write down a repeatable process so other people could possibly use it as a launching pad for their careers and having more success, keeping their clients healthy, keeping their clients progressing and trying to teach them that health and fitness should be about longevity and pain-free training, not just getting a result in four to six weeks. You said something in there that got me thinking. I just finished a book called Post-Corona by an author I like, Scott Galloway. He writes a lot of stuff on the problems with big tech, the big four, or if you include Microsoft, the big five. And there's an entire chapter on education, post-secondary education, and how it's vulnerable to disruption. And it got me thinking, and then your comments cemented this. I think there's sort of this attitude in our industry about you know the people who have the PhD level education and the people who don't have degrees in this stuff. And yet you sort of denigrated the post-secondary education, even as you were talking about it. I think there's going to be a big opportunity. It's growing, but it's going to be the newest generation of trainers. I think more and more and more will be educated through the stuff that you're teaching, the stuff that Renaissance periodization teaches, and all the other educators that are out in the fitness space, because that's been a growing trend but it's going to be a lot less expensive yeah. than going and doing and time. It's going to be way less time consuming than doing a four-year degree or, you know, a six, seven, eight year master's and PhD trajectory. There's still going to be value in that, but I suspect 
and if you anyone reads this book, it's really laid bare for you there. The, the increasing cost of post-secondary education and the problem with student debt that happens, it's not gonna be as attractive a route and it's gonna be massively time prohibitive for a lot of passionate people who wanna enter the industry. That's not an argument to say, yeah. you know, everybody should just have a basic weekend certification. I started out with a very basic certification that still got me in the door and served me very well. So I don't necessarily like this call for greater regulation because I think that could have massive unintended consequences. But I do think that probably going forward in the future, there's gonna be a lot of space for people like yourself to create educational programs. And who knows, you may even see, I could, I could even see Renaissance periodization because they're big in on this, going into something that would be fully accredited almost as like fuck a, a degree program. I don't know, maybe, they, maybe they're thinking that, maybe they want no part of that. But I wouldn't be necessarily shocked if it goes certainly more online, like less campus-based. But I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity for educators. And I just think you're kind of earlier in on a formalized system. It's interesting that you say that uh, a lot will go online because I actually have to disagree with that. I spent the last two and a half years touring the world and now we have a team touring the world because of one reason. Would it be easier to put everything online? Yes. Would the business probably be easier to run? Yes. Would it scale to the global uh, ends of the earth? Yes. But the reason that we choose not to go online instantly when PPSC was disrupting in the fitness education space was because of one simple fact. We are personal trainers and strength coaches. We are a vast majority of tactile learners. A vast majority of us don't have PhDs. We don't have master's degrees because we don't fucking need them. And we learn on our feet. We learn via experience. We learn via mentoring. And we learn with our own bodies. The thing about training, the thing about fitness, is that we can feel the sensations. We can feel the tactile feedbacks that our clients are hopefully able to feel as well. And with us being our own first client, it is negligent, in my opinion, to do education predominantly online. And there is a reason why education, especially in the healthcare sciences, will never go online. When's the last time you went to your doctor and said, where'd you get your degree from? And they said some online university and they never went in person. It doesn't fucking exist. When's the last time you saw a physical therapist, a chiropractor, a massage therapist for that example? When's the last time you saw them be online? The problem with the fitness industry is that we have two sects here. We have sects that want to truly professionalize the industry, get licensing and all this stuff so we can stand shoulder to shoulder with the rehab pros. And then you have the other people who are like, fuck it. Nobody needs to be certified in anything because we do hobbyist-based work. We go to a gym and we train and we charge people $15 an hour to do it. You know, one side or the other is not right. I think the pendulum does swing and it ends up right in the middle. But the fact that people, especially that are gravitating towards service-based professions in the health and fitness space are not the traditional academics, we shouldn't be chasing traditional academics. What we should be chasing is how do we actually change lives and make a career, AKA 15, 20, 30 years of doing your profession and your vocation out of what you're doing today. And that's the biggest thing that COVID has uncovered. We don't have one centralized base or lobbying group that can advocate for us. And that's why we're getting pounded the way that we are. 
So there is a time and a place for online education. I've been known for doing a lot online, but there is a reason that the PPSC started in person because the goal was to get 5,000 people in person, certified all across the world to make sure that our shit was good. And we're 300 away from now. And I was like, fuck it, it's close enough. And that's why we ended up doing the, the PPSC online module that's gonna happen in a couple of weeks here for the first and only time ever. But honestly, without being in front of almost 5,000 people over two years and 200 plus courses in 45 different countries, yeah, those stats are real. We wouldn't have the opportunity to do what we're doing at a large scale online today. So it's very similar to what you would think about in terms of a career trajectory and personal training. I am a big believer that you should have some sort of experience training human beings in person for X amount of years before you do go online. Is it possible to go online first? Yes. Is it ideal? No. Is it optimal? Fuck no, it's not. So there is a progression to long-term success. Education, training, it all, it all has the same trajectory. I think we actually agree more than there's any disagreement on it. I, I first, <laughs> it sounded way better. I was like, I disagree. <laughs> well, I first met you in 2017 when I went down to Luca Hosovar's um, yeah. event at Vigor Ground, his uh, Vigor Ground uh, Fitness and Business Summit. And you presented. I was, I was really impressed. I knew who you were from the industry before that. And I'd read some of your stuff. And I love events like that. And I, I actually am really looking forward to going back to them. Dean Somerset and I have one here. Hopefully, yeah. rolling back in 2021. We had to cancel it this year. That sucked. But no, there's no replacing that at all. What I suspect will happen is we may see a migration of trainers who do more of the, and I use Renaissance Creatization very specifically because I've gone to a lot of their in-person seminars with Mike Isertel stuff. Mm-hmm. But they have an enormous library of video and book and stuff. It's not necessarily formal coursework online. And I think trainers will grab a ton of their theory, their nutrition and training theory. But you're right, you need the in-person application. And I always hope those events continue to be successful because one thing you've done is you've created employment for a whole bunch of people that, you know, are great professionals. You know, Kevin Mullins, yep. Logan Dubays, and, and Clifton Harsky among the rest of your team. And I, I know we're going to get back to that. You know, I think the anxiety of the way the world is right now eventually will pass and we'll be surprised looking back. There'll always be people who kind of don't transition back to it. But I think we'll get back to some semblance of normal. People will enjoy it. They're going to miss uh, the in-person stuff. And when we finally get to do it, people will dive right in. You know, people will be filling carnival cruise ships and tourism <laughs> and restaurants and all this sort of stuff. And some of those people are just going to dive right back into it. So human, I think human. I think that people are ready to dive back in right now, to be totally honest. And yeah. I'm a data freak, as you know. And we certified 1,250 coaches post COVID in the PPSC. And this is a real stat. We've had zero reported positive cases, zero exposures in over 62 courses on four continents. How did we do this? How were we doing in-person education? How were we gathering? Every single thing was done ethically. It was done legally. It was done by the county and the state mandates, but it was common sense. We used very strict social distancing protocols. We used masks. We had people wash their hands. We had people do declarations of health in the cities and the states that had temperature checking. We did that. We had common sense. 
And it really did protect a lot of people. And I think this is going to be having people nodding their heads being like, yes, this is exactly what I'm doing in my studio or in my fitness facility. The numbers are the numbers. We're seeing rock bottom transmission rates. We're seeing rock bottom positive testing and exposures in fitness centers. Yet we are the scapegoats. We are classified with bars, restaurants. It's not the same thing. And this is one of the biggest problems is there's this misconception. Oh, just because people are in a gym, all of a sudden this must be dangerous. But I think a lot of our attendees that came post COVID, we started these PPSC courses back live in person in the end of June, and we've been running them straight through. We have three courses this weekend, Las Vegas, North Dakota, and we also have one up in Seattle, Washington. And we are having smaller classes. You know, it's not the 115, 120 courses like we did in 2019. We're doing anywhere from like 20 to 35 people per course. We're making sure that we have massive centers so people can spread out. We jumped through 15 different hoops in order to actually deliver in-person education. But with the combination between the election in America here and then all of the unrest with who actually won the election and then with Thanksgiving week and all this bullshit, I think a lot of people are just like waiting it out now. They're like, you know what? I'm just going to wait that like two months and I feel okay. Like I wouldn't be in danger going out to anything, but I think that everything else that's going on socially, economically, and with all the mandates that are changing on a day-to-day basis, you know, some people just don't want to leave home, especially if their gym got closed down. I totally get that. And I feel for those people, but that's the reason why if you're a personal trainer, if you're a coach, if you're a rehab pro, if you're an educator, you need to evolve what you're doing. You need to not be so proud that you say, no, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And rather do what's best for your constituents, do what's best for your community and your tribe. That's one of the big reasons that after two years of saying, hey, we're not going to go online. Me and Cliff sat down one day, we're like, we're going to do a one-time only online course. And people were so confused, bro. Like they were like, wait, this is on the computer? It was like Zoolander. It's like, it's in the computer. That's what the kind of responses were because they were so used to seeing these group photos five a weekend, every weekend for the last eight months. And all of a sudden there was like, whoa, this is brand new. But the reason that we did it was because this is the perfect shit storm of what's happening right now. And people shouldn't have what's happening socially or fiscally impact what they want to do. And more than anything, we use this as a fueling ground for our coaches. Like you felt the energy. It's like, man, you feel empowered. You feel like you got that lit inside of your heart so you can continue on for another couple months, you know, swimming upstream like a fucking salmon. And we are doing this to get the community together in a way that we've never done before. But we're going to stick to what we believe in, which is in-person education. And people thought this was fake. With the online PPSC course, it's going to happen in 2020. I'm going to be teaching it for the first time all year. And then 2021, free. Come to a course for free. Any course for free. Pick out one of any 200 courses, any country, any city, and you're our VIP special guest because you know what? You took action. You educated yourself Christmas week when everyone else was sitting around feeling sorry for themselves that the gyms may be not the way that we want them. Totally. And this goes to something deeper as well. Like, look at this year. This year has been an absolute dumpster fire. 
but I don't try to think. <laughs> it's like it's like that meme of this dumpster that's floating down a river that's literally got a fire in it. But it's been the best year of my career by most metrics. Like I had a couple of weeks where I sat in front of the TV, first fucking rise everything, and then I uh, I was gifted a redo of Precision Nutrition's Level One because I got some contacts with MPN. and I've had a bunch of people on the podcast. So I crushed through that. And then I got into some books. I got into a Michael Boyle book and I got into Nick Winkleman's Language of Coaching, which is fucking sensational. And then I got into uh, Bompa's Periodization, which is a book I should have read years ago. And at the same time, I started working on my social media growth at the start of the year. I continue to write articles for Teen Nation and, and other things. And all the time I was pretty much working, I was staying pretty busy. And this year has been like lately I've been being asked to appear as a guest on a podcast a week if not more for like the last three or four months like there's so much crazy stuff happening it's so positive and some people on the social media are saying oh this guy's like kind of growing overnight fuck I just started year number 11 in November or October so overnight <laughs> yeah, overnight success just 10 years in the making like you and I'm still not, you know, where I want to be or where I, but I'm trying to set myself up to launch into 2021 and beyond when all this stuff goes away. We don't have as much, we don't have restrictions and we can kind of get back to normal life. And I'm hitting the ground running on all this stuff. And there's a lot of people who chose this year to educate themselves, to work really hard at this stuff, brand, mm -hmm. whatever. And I've been talking to a lot of these people. And then unfortunately there are people that kind of hit away from it and just decide, okay, we're going to take a mulligan on this year. And then they're going to be a few steps behind when they start out part of the way through next year and they're going to notice wow the industry's left them behind so you know your course your certification is just one example of how people can spend their time because i just did that i still i've been so busy i have my exam i apologize for that so i'll count as one more certification. <laughs> but it's it's an opportunity for people to stay really plugged in stay really passionate you pretty much said the same thing earlier and just jump right out the gates as soon as, you know, if your gym is closed, when your gym opens back up again. I think 2020 comes down to, yeah. We've been presented with challenges that we didn't think we had to face in a million years. And we present with those challenges on a daily basis. I started off COVID being sent home on a flight emergency out of Sydney, Australia with my logistics manager, Tim Danchak, because they didn't know what the hell was going to happen. And 20 hours after I departed, I got into Texas of all places because I needed to get out of Australia. They closed the border and the border is still closed. That's how I spent March 16th. March 16th was a mass exodus from halfway around the world where I came back and I landed in America and my entire life was fucked. I literally got off that flight and the whole world was over. And I remember being a bitch about it. I sat in that fucking airport in Sydney, Australia with Tim, who is one of my main guys for PPSC. And I sat and I fucking complained. I bitched. I moaned. I acted like a baby. But I got off that 19 hour flight and I said, you know what? We're going to make this happen. I know it's going to be a tough year. I know that we just canceled 110 live courses overnight, but you know what? We're going to find a way because we have the best team in the industry, if not the world. And we have strong, big game players that are up for the challenge. That doesn't mean that there weren't hard days. There was hard days every day for four months, 
But I think that being around people that are passionate, not only about their own endeavors, but about the greater good and the passion and the mission that you're all on together, being around those people and not being around the fucking negative assholes that are just watching the news or saying what you can't do. That was the biggest game changer for me personally. I think that being able to focus in on controlling the controllable factors and saying fuck it to everything else, that mentally gives you the fuel to push through. So I made a pack when I got back to America on March 16th that I was not going to miss a training session because I was feeling bad for myself, even if I didn't sleep because we just lost our entire business overnight. Wasn't going to miss a training session. Wasn't going to eat shit and I wasn't going to drink any alcohol either because I needed to be fresh because this is the challenge of my life to try to revive 29 employees and not have to furlough them, not have to fire them and retain everybody on their full salaries. Next thing I thought of was, you know what? I'm going to sit back and utilize my team and we're going to revamp the PPSC. I'm going to pay everyone to do it. We're going to sit for three and a half months and we are going to make this great course even better one of the best decisions we've ever made. And finally, I'm gonna invest my time into positivity with my family because the kids were home. I needed something else to focus on other than working 19 hours a day. And that was the kids. So you look at controlling those controllable factors, being able to fuel your mind, body, and soul with positivity, being around great people, even when the whole world is ending around you. I think that kind of stuff is still pertinent to today. Because it almost seems like yesterday that I was getting off that flight from Sydney. It almost seems like yesterday that I was sitting in that airport thinking that my whole life was over by the time I touched back down. But I think that if you can push through the hard times, the concept of anti-fragility is real and it's true. And it's something that will make you stronger because of the challenges that you endure. You know, I've gone through a lot this year personally a lot on the business side of things, a lot internally within myself as just a man and a human. And I don't think that I could have risen to the types of challenges that I've had in the last month or two with this resurgence, with some personal issues that have been going on, if I hadn't have gone through the stuff in March, April, May, and June. I think that there's a reason that things happen even when you're losing your savings, you're losing your business, they're closing your gyms, your kids are home, you don't know where your next dollar is coming from. I think that if you can turn that positive light and focus on you controlling the controllable, then anything's possible. Because the reality is this, COVID, if you can survive this, this is the shittiest time, arguably in world history. If you can survive this, what is tomorrow gonna look like? What's 2021 going to look like? What are you capable of? Nothing. You are one badass motherfucking dude if you can survive this time. And that's empowerment. And that's what we try to teach in the course too. Man, if you could do this now, think about what you can do later. And nothing will take you out of the game. I've written on this very topic. And I love, you mentioned Anti-Fragile, which you just described that book in its essence. And then you also described the obstacles, the way another one of my favorite books. And it's this attitude of, you know, look at what you can control. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff beyond your control. Okay, cool. You yeah. got no point in crying about it. You got to deal with it anyway. So put your head down. And I like the anti-fragile concept. You just think about all the people in our industry who are worried about the security of their unstable clientele, the unstable paycheck. 
I think we're more stable and more secure than the salaried person because that how many salaried people during all this went from sixty thousand dollars a year to zero and Taleb uses that yes. example in Anti-Fragile of these two brothers, one's a cabbie and one's the, the salaried person, and they average out to the same salary of a year, but how much room did we have to pivot, to go into the online space, to do whatever the fuck it took to retain a paycheck, to take care of our clients? Yeah. Where do you think those clients are who, who couldn't afford to continue training with you, but you made home programs for them, so they still had something? while they're like locked out of the gym, you think that when they're in a good situation in the middle of this year or 2021, they're back in the fold with you, right? These are people, if you survive this, this is what you said. If you survive this, A, you have got the tools to handle anything. I'm paraphrasing you. And yep. B, nothing else will take you out of this game. You are set up for a long, successful career. It's interesting too, though. You look at the trainer who is no longer a trainer. They're working at Subway now. And then you look at the individual that is actually having record year. If you talk to some top performers in the industry, a lot of people like yourself have never done better. How could that possibly be? It comes down to relationships, comes down to results, and it comes down to making a human connection with another person that has value, not only in your service, but as you as a human being. It is a person-to-person -person connection that is, in essence, the cornerstone of personal training and coaching. And this is something that people have been trying to figure out for 20 years how do we make a digital product that can just service people? How do we make the Apple Watch be non-comparable to a personal trainer? How do we do all this shit? It'll never happen. How do you design never it? Never happen because yeah. when you connect with somebody that makes you feel great, we always talk about it in the PPSC, be the best hour of your client's day, no matter if it's on a screen or if it's in person. If you can make that person feel something and connect with them and gain value over a long period of time, that is more than just a client. That is a connection that you get positive energy from, they get positive energy from, and it becomes this. It becomes something that connects people at a deeper level. And that's the type of connection that changes health, that changes wellness, that changes somebody's life for the better. That is what we're selling. I don't care if you're an educator, a trainer, a physical therapist, that deep connection to make your life better, that is what we're selling. And I don't care what kind of pandemic we're dealing with. I don't care what kind of financial ruin people are in. They will not give that up because that is who they are. And that is what they value in where they want to spend their money. Two different things. And this is why, you know, the in-person one-on-one training will never be replaced. No one will nope. ever design an app that will disrupt us. I think we should be very vigilant against disruption in our industry. I think you'd be very foolish not to keep an eye on that, but you can use potential disruption to your advantage. Of, you know, we'll eventually have AI or, or you know, that, that sort of stuff, additional technology to collect more data and information that we can better serve our clients. So yeah, you wanna be aware of that stuff as it starts to come online, but I am not worried about online fully replace. I think it's a very good idea to have a strong understanding and offering within the online space if you want to. But the predominance of what I do is in person. I love it. 
you know, I set up a home basement gym. One of the things that this year disrupted for me is I thought, well, shit, I better get a home gym. So that way I can continue to train yeah. clientele. And now I do half my days at home. So I get way more time in my home. I've got all this cool stuff. I can go down for work at any time I want. You'd be surprised how much you don't fucking just get randomly bored and go, I'm going to go down to the gym. But I just get to my workouts and I do love it. My cat comes down and hangs out and watches me do it. And all of a sudden now I have, you know, a tax write-up on all this stuff. I have all this equipment. I have a whole bunch of clientele who they actually just like training away from the gym space. So it's opened me up to an entirely new demographic of people who just, they just don't want to be in gyms. They don't like that space, right? So again, it's seizing the opportunity within the obstacle. And now I know not everybody has the space or the resources and certainly getting your hands on that equipment at that time. I scrambled real quick and I got lucky. And as things opened back up again, I added some more pieces and now it's quite well equipped. But it's just, again, it goes back to the same thing. And something else that I wanted to touch on too, because you mentioned a couple of times is, is your team, right? The importance of the relationships and your team. So how has the team been instrumental in building everything you built? The team's been everything. Uh, I grew up as a team sport athlete. I played baseball, basketball, and football, and I played it for a long, long time. And my dad was a coach of many of my teams growing up. So I always had the team mentality. I always loved being around the team. I was that guy. And I, I fueled off that energy. And I found myself on teams early on in my career coaching. You know, I was coaching uh, in professional sport and Olympic sport. And I was always part of that team. And then I transitioned more and more into like the fitness industry where we were doing general fitness clientele. We did barbell sport athletes and it became more individualistic. And for a number of years, it was like Dr. John Russin on an article, drjohnrussin.com on his website, oh, Dr. John Russin's program. And every single time that I saw this like one-sided thing with my name on it, I fucking hated it. I hated every single time that I saw it because- I know very well that one person is nothing. You are only as big as the people that are able to grow around you and be better because of you. And this was a hard thing. Not everyone has the opportunity to be like, oh, I have 30 people that I work with on a day-to-day -day basis and they're all awesome. And I definitely wasn't there either, but this all started out in 2018, late 2018. Equinox approached me to be a beta on the first uh, certification, the PPSC, before there was even a PPSC. And Equinox's director, Matt Behrens, at the time was like, hey, we're going to bring this and we want it in all 20 cities across the world. Can you do it? And at the time, I was already booked like 20 or 25 weekends because I was teaching everything. I was writing everything. I was coaching everything. I was doing the online stuff. I was doing everything. And then all of a sudden, I had uh, one of my really good friends, somebody I truly respected. You mentioned his name a couple of times, Clifton Harsky. We'd been wanting to do something together for five or six years. You know, we've been kind of floating the idea of like, he's an educator, I'm an educator. We believe in the same things, the same mission, the same training styles. And all of a sudden, it was like, man, the team started in November of 2018. I gave Cliff a call and I was like, hey, let's get ready because 
you're going to teach these 20 courses over at Equinox. And he's like, holy shit, I don't have time in my schedule because at the time he was teaching in three different disciplines. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm going to make it happen because I believe in this. Mm -hmm. And very quickly that transpired into about nine months later, getting David Ote on. David Ote is an extraordinary educator, presenter, coach, speaker, one of the best, if not the best there is in the industry. He jumped on uh, mid-2019. And then from there, we had something. Because we had enough experience with the course, we were giving enough certifications where it fine-tuned itself. And at that point in time, we moved into uh, December of 2019, and we did something epic. We had everyone lined up. We knew that this thing was going to scale. It was going to be a couple hundred courses, not 30 courses in a year. And I handpicked uh, 14 individuals, flew them all into where I live, Madison, Wisconsin. And we did a seven-day mentorship mastermind in my basement. Wow. And we scaled the PPSC starting in 2020 right away. Obviously, that took a, a sidetrack here with the COVID stuff. But right there and then, the team was at 17 individuals. And right now, as it stands between our lead instruction staff between our front office management and between our assistant instructors, we're at 29. And it's crazy to say that because it's like 29 people that I deeply respect to a level that I would go and hire them as my coach. That's how I target my people. Yes, you have to have that certain person is amazing. We were just talking about Logan Dubay and how I think Logan is one of the most amazing human beings on earth. And that it factor is the first thing. But my second thing is like, man, do I enjoy listening to this person present? Do I enjoy listening to these stories? Do they captivate my attention? Yes, that's the next one. And then the last one, hey, would I hire this person as my coach? Would I put my body on the line? Could they grow my calves? That's what I ask myself. And if you have that trifecta, these are absolute Avengers. This is the group of superheroes that all have their little disciplines. They all have their specialties, but it all comes back to a central tenant, which is train intelligently, train pain-free, and unlock health and longevity. It, it has been the pleasure of my career, and I plan on doing this for the rest of my career, is getting the best and brightest together and seeing what we can all do together. Because I was sick of seeing that drjohnrussin.com thing every single day and Dr. John Russin on articles. Now it's the PPSC. People have learned in the last year and a half that it's not Dr. John Russin teaching 200 courses across the world, five a weekend every weekend, even though they're on three different continents. It is now the pain-free performance specialist certification. And it is our staff, it is our team, and it is us that makes this what it is today. And yes, I did start it, I did found it, but it is the pleasure of my career to be able to share this with more people with the best and the brightest teaching. Yeah, I like uh, the group of individuals you had and it kind of speaks to, you know, what you were saying earlier about not wanting to be kind of out in the spotlight, despite the fact that, you know, you have done a really good job of that. But I think you found a group of really skilled, incredible individuals, but a group that don't necessarily have the kind of both ego, but also the desire to go out on their own and craft an, an individual brand and try to grow an individual brand. That's definitely something I'm more inclined towards doing. And there's a lot of our 
our friends and peers and whatnot in the industry who've done a really good job of that. But this also got to be a place that I've talked to. I don't know if you know who Mike Dola is of Stronger You. Uh, it's a nutrition company. So Mike's a good friend. He was on recently. And Stronger You and some of these organizations, Renaissance Creatization does a good job of this too, where they, they find a home, create a home for a lot of skilled people, but the people who would rather coach, the people who would rather work with their clientele versus necessarily spend a lot of their time doing all the things you described, writing all those articles, creating a social media brand and reach, all that sort of stuff. And honestly, it gives people that option not to have to work tirelessly at their individual brand and something that's really secure. And that's a, that describes David Ote, that describes Logan, that describes Kevin Mullins. It's interesting though, because it's not that these coaches are incapable of creating their own brand. Let's just call it what it is. A lot of us do a lot of great work. We're consistent with our content, our messaging, our results are great. But for whatever fucking reason, it doesn't get out to everybody. If it was that easy, everyone would be the rock with 90 million followers on Instagram and printing money, billions at a time. Sometimes people take too much credit for having this personal brand. Stars have to align. Things have to happen at the right place, at the right time, with the right clientele, the right messaging. All of these stars have to align in order for somebody to create something big enough to sustain. We see this a lot in the fitness industry. Somebody will have this big, strong personal brand all about me, 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 me. And then they'll be selling real estate a year and a half later because it's not sustainable. It never really made a business out of it. And it was a smoke and mirror show. The kind of people that are on my team are extraordinarily successful. And I think that they're mature enough to realize that there are deeper impacts than having 500,000 people on Instagram. I, I think about somebody I was just on the phone with before I jumped on this podcast, Ginny Grimsley. Ginny is the vice president of Vasa Fitness. Vasa Fitness is the 10th biggest gym chain in America. They're the fastest growing gym chain in America. She's the vice president. She was the valedictorian of her high school. Then she was the valedictorian of her college. Then she was the valedictorian of her master's degree program at Appalachian State, which was the number one exercise science program. And now she's big boss lady at one of the fastest growing fitness chains in the world. That's the kind of person that's on our team. Does Instagram following, does personal brand matter for somebody like that? No. But I think where people get into trouble is thinking that they have to be this big brand. When in all actuality, you just got to be yourself. Creating brands around an individual, it's a slippery slope. I'll just use my experience for example. All I did was try to be myself. I didn't try to create a brand. I didn't try to create a business. All I did was really love sharing my ideas with people, putting them down on paper, and coaching in a medium that was online via in person. And that stuff, it snowballed little by little, year after year of doing good things because I truly love to do it. You know, some people look at like, oh man, how do you write all these articles? How do you do all these courses? How do you put all this stuff together? I love doing it. I wake up every single morning and I absolutely love to train. I love to have my training group train together. I love to sit around and talk about training and write articles and talk about how we can get these ideas out to more people. I love every second of it. 
And if I didn't get paid for it, I'd be doing exactly that same thing. And I think that that type of energy really resonates with a lot of people because we see the opposite end of the spectrum. We see the person that is taking four hours to train with a full video crew just so they can get a couple Instagram videos and then try to sell you a $9 booty program on membership. There's two different things here, but I think that the authentic, the authentic way that you deliver what you truly love, that is palpable. That is something that you can't teach, you can't fake. It's only something that you can be you, the best you that you could possibly be. And the personal brand, it will come, but you have to be great. You have to be passionate. You have to be driven for yourself and the people around you in the greater good, because this is again, a service-based profession before you ever worry about what kind of fucking logo you need. That's secondary to having something internally inside of you that drives you for the next 10 or 20 years in your career. And it, Instagram's just a medium of that. Facebook's just a medium of that. Writing on a T Nation article is just a medium to share that passion. If you don't have that in the first place, I don't care how good your strategy and branding is. It doesn't matter. And you'll burn out really quickly. There's a lot that goes into this stuff, right? Like um, for this year, I've still managed for the most of it, especially through the summer and into the fall. You know, it's a full-time schedule of coaching clients, small online training business on top of it article writing and the social media stuff because I invested in growing it this year that takes a fair amount of time and I've been very engaged with the audience a lot like engagement that is time consuming but I love it it's actually wonderful so I'm going to yes. bed you know trying to sneak half an hour before I go to bed to read one of the books that I'm interested in um, actually Seth Godin's The Practice which kind of talks about all this sort of stuff it's about the practice the process that you do because you love it not because you're guaranteed any sort of reward or outcome on any specific sort of timeline, right? You can't just think, you know, six months into the industry, well, I want to be where Dr. John Russin is, you know, in a year and a half, right? Like you said, the early part of this stuff is like, how, how long have you been in the industry now? Is that 14 years or something like that? 14 years, yeah. 14 years, right? So, and a lot of this stuff really started to mushroom up. Well, you know, you've been known around the industry for what, seven to eight, maybe a little bit longer than that. But, you know, a lot of this stuff has been mushrooming up the last four years or so. And so, and if, if you're someone newer to the industry or really passionate about this stuff and you're hearing the people on here, I've said this before, I think this is important. I remember being the trainer my first few years in the industry, reading T-Nation. T-Nation has always been very important to me, very symbolic. So therefore, I consider it a great honor to write for them. It's something that I take personal pride yeah. in. There's people out there who don't value that or me. I've been belittled <laughs> or caring about it, but I'm open about that. But I remember thinking, okay, there's this tier of people, your Tony Gentlecores, your Eric Cressys, your Dean Somersets, who work for the same company I did. I realized pretty quickly this Dean Somerset, who's on the session roles in my company, is the same guy writing for T-Nation. I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. And I used to think, okay, there's like, you're in the trench gym floor trainers. And then there's this group of people who are like the industry superstars. And there was no in between. And then as time goes on, you realize, okay, here's all the stuff that and like you said before, a lot of things just have to happen, right? A lot of serendipity, a lot of good luck. But if you put your head down, you work really, really hard at it. You put yourself in a position to benefit from those opportunities. But over time, and I've actually tried to show this on my media this year as more and more has happened, to lay a bit of a roadmap that you can't duplicate someone's roadmap, but at least you can, people can see this is achievable. So if you're really passionate and hungry for this stuff, you focus on education at every turn, like you described you did. 
And maybe the PPSC is one of, I think it's one of the best options you have as a newer coach to learn some really great stuff. You get busy, you gain experience on the floor, and then you find an outlet for you to create and share your ideas. And don't think just because you don't feel like you have anything original, like we talked about right at the start of this episode, that you don't have something valuable to share. If you've helped a client lose weight, if you've helped a client get strong, if you've helped a client get into the habit of consistently getting into the gym, write about that, the basic stuff. Because the person in front of you who's on your social media probably isn't following Dr. John Russ and probably isn't following Jordan Syatt or Mike Isertel or whoever else. You are their go-to fitness person. And if you're scared to share the stuff that you know, because you know stuff, otherwise you wouldn't be a trainer, you'd be fumbling with all your clients. That stuff can help someone. And the people who want it, who are there now need you, okay? So you have a duty and an obligation to get it out there and share with more people. And what you'll find is you'll get more skilled at the message. You will have those people share it with other people. Your following will grow and you'll suck less by the time more eyes are on you. That's a big one. And in time, that's big. you'll look back and realize that the effort that you put into it was very incremental early on, but pick your book, The Slight Edge or The Compound Effect, the same fucking book, just from a different angle. And then you'll start seeing this stuff compounding and this curve grows more rapidly and more rapidly. And right now you're very high up on that curve and I'm starting to see that exponential growth. So someone listening to this who's earlier on their career, just put your head down, do what you love, do what you're passionate about, get great results for your clients, gain fucking tons of experience. And if you're interested in this shit, you and I and people like us have laid a blueprint of how you can approach it to find your own success if you value going in that direction. Yeah, and I think that we have to realize that everyone starts somewhere. Uh, I can remember being a mumbling idiot defending my dissertation. You know, like could barely put two sentences together up in front of the committee so I could graduate with a fucking doctorate because that means everything to everyone. It doesn't. But I go from that to at one point in time, I did 80 seminars in two and a half years, all by myself, all across the world, 16 hours I would lecture. It was a skill that you develop. I remember looking back on some of these early on videos, the ones that are still on the T Nation articles and looking at them being like, holy shit, was that bad? The delivery sucked, but the information was good. And I think that that needs to be the focus. If you're happy, if you share a positive message with people, if you teach them a little bit of something, nobody's going to expect you to be a rock star the first time. What they're going to do is expect you to be you, expect you to care about them, and hopefully create some sort of relationship, whether it's in person, whether it's virtually, whether they just follow you, and consistency becomes key for long-term success with that. But everyone has to start somewhere. If I wouldn't have gotten started, I don't know where I'd be. I'd probably still be coaching. I'd probably be in China still. Uh, So you got to get started with something. But if you don't want to do social media, if you don't want to build a brand, if you don't want to do online training, more power to you. Go be the best in-person coach ever. And most likely, you don't need any of that stuff to be the best coach in the city. So there's a lot of different avenues that we can talk about with what the measure of success is, but it was really dependent on you, the type of life you want to live and the type of impact that you want to leave at the end of the day, as long as you're helping people and you're helping people live their best lives, it doesn't matter the medium, 
It matters your message and it matters your impact. He needs to be on uh, sitting on the couch, on Oprah's couch some days sharing this message. We need to make sure everybody knows where to find you. I know you, um, you gotta, gotta go soon. So let's remind people to find you and your work with PPSC. Yeah, drjohnrusson.com is my personal site. We have over a thousand free articles over there, all of our programs, all the online coaching. And then the big one is getppsc.com, G-E-T-P-P-S-C.com. That's the pain-free performance specialist certification. And we are doing a one and only time virtual online pain-free performance specialist certification course same credentials that you earn in person over the last two years and 200 plus courses we're doing virtually for the first time i'm coming out of retirement alongside our director of education clifton harsky we are going to be teaching live and it's going to be available on demand and if you come to this course virtually come to an in-person ppsc for free in 2021 that's a no-brainer. That is our Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to the entire industry. And I'm happy to endorse it because I recently did it myself and I had a great time and I, I gained a lot from it. So I appreciate that. Now, if you were just finding this podcast for the very first time from John's Media, I appreciate having you here. Thanks for listening. Um, stick Well, go back and listen to John's previous episode with uh, my co-host, Dean <laughs> still in the mix. It goes back a ways. And then you can also find Clifton Harsky and Kevin Mullins have both been previous guests of mine. And Clifton, I love. He's a fun, energetic guy. Fuck it, just go follow yeah. Clifton on social media too. There's a lot of goofy shit. He's entertaining. It was cool because I met Clifton the same time I met you in 2017 at Bigger Ground. And uh, a lot of other really cool people. I was talking to Andy McCloy today too about some stuff. Yeah. He was there. Andy's a good My dude. My man. And then obviously Luca. So Luca and I just uh, put together a article collaboration and Tony Jellicor brought uh, Tony in as well and that'll be published sometime nice. in the next couple of weeks and it gets Luca his first ever published credential on <laughs> he could have earned anyway like the dude is is a rock star but yeah. again, he's hosting this weekend in Seattle at Bigger Ground Fitness and Performance PPSC is actually live in Seattle I suspect that that's where you're, you're gonna have it so yeah um you know I can't wait till I can get back down to the U.S. again and start traveling and, and <laughs> events again because I fucking love this shit I'll, I'll bring it I bring a lot of stuff up to Edmonton but uh, I want to get back that we had so much planned this year and we lost everything except for your event, which was cool. And then uh, if you are not yet following me on social media, I've been on that quest to 10,000, which I should tick above within two weeks. It literally should happen right away. And I've been doing it because I want the swipe up function, but I've also documented the Hell yeah. my followers. So that way you guys can see what goes into this sort of thing. And like you said, it is, fuck it, it's a vanity metric. Swipe up super useful it's a vanity metric dude we got you i'm gonna repost this podcast you're gonna be over ten thousand. then you can swipe up on this episode and we'll be rolling through that'd be sweet and yeah it, it's super valuable that way but let's also be honest humans are you know first impression judgmental creatures and all <laughs> else being equal if you have all the skills and all the talent and everything else and if you still are interested in reaching more well fuck we want to reach more people we want to help more people more people doing the ppsc more people reading your articles more people coaching with you. So, you know, anyone who denigrates the fact that, hey, you want to build more social media reach, well, fuck them. Do what you want to do. If you don't care about it, don't worry about it, right? So anyway, something I've been demonstrating to everybody else, it's been fun. And most of all, just, you know, if you like this episode, stick around, check out some more. I've got a lot of great guests like we just talked about. And thanks for being here. And thanks, John. I really appreciate you. 
Um, stay online for a second after we go. And uh, to everybody else, uh, 